Good morning, Parkway Church. How you guys doing today? Great. How are those resolutions going for you? Good? Give me thumbs up, thumbs down. Or sideways if you didn't do it. I made some resolutions that I'm ultimately committed to this year. This year I'm going to gain weight. I'm going to work more. And I'm going to go to church more often. That's what's going to happen in my... I can't wait to see what this new year produces. As we continue our journey through Scripture together as a church family, we're stepping into the book of Acts today. And the book of Acts is the story of Jesus leading his followers to build the church and how his church would spread and the message of Christ would spread. We just finished up our Christmas season where we looked at the fact that God sent his son to save the world and that when we believe in him, he makes his home in us. So now we see what the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus does in the life of people and in the life of believers as we look at the book of Acts. So if you brought your Bible, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 today. In Acts chapter 1, the story begins with Jesus after he has been raised again from the dead. He was crucified. He died. He appeared to the disciples and he spent 40 days with them. Can you imagine that? 40 days. After Jesus died, he lived among the people 40 days. Thousands, hundreds of people would have seen him. They undeniably knew that he was alive. And he spent time with them. And as he spent time with them, he taught them. And one of the things that he taught them is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we're going to see both a prediction from Jesus and a promise from Jesus. So let's read that together. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what the Bible says. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and it's coming, that's the prediction. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and it's coming, you will receive power. There's a promise. And when you receive power, you will be my witnesses. First here in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and all the way to the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying this message that I've given the church will come when the Spirit gives you power. And you will spread it from here, there, to everywhere. So Jesus, he predicted his Spirit would come. This wasn't the first time that Jesus said he would send his Holy Spirit. As he was preparing his disciples for his death and departure from earth, Jesus told them that he would send one that was better than himself, one that would convict the world of their sins, and one that would strengthen believers to live godly lives, the Holy Spirit. So now in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, A day's coming when you will receive my spirit, and you will have power, and you will be my witnesses. Well, if you keep reading in Scripture, the day comes on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, this was a Jewish festival, they were all together in one place. The church was praying, or the believers were praying. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. It's interesting because Jesus, when he was talking about the Holy Spirit in his ministry, described the Holy Spirit as a whirlwind, how it settles where it wants, it goes where it wills. And now we see in this gathering of 
believers, there's suddenly a violent wind coming, and, and it's the sound of heaven and, and filling the house. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. So tongues of fire. So if you were with us when we were studying, as we walked through the Old Testament, God led his people uh, as they were wandering through the wilderness. He led them with a flame. And now he's going to show his leadership over every believer's life with that flame one more time. Verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All believers were filled with the Spirit and all believers were enabled to become his witnesses. Did you see it? Jesus said, you will receive my Spirit and when you do, you'll receive power and you'll become my witnesses. So all of a sudden, the men that couldn't speak any other language but their own could speak other languages. Other languages were needed in this moment. Why? Because it was the festival of Pentecost and there were Jewish people from all around, different tongues all around in Jerusalem. And so for Jerusalem to be reached on that day, it had to come with the power of the Holy Spirit and the witness of believers. And that's exactly what happened. In fact, the people that were hearing the disciples share they were perplexed by what they were seeing. They were like, aren't these the ordinary men from Galilee? How are they speaking these other languages? In fact, if you read ahead just a couple of verses, one of the people will propose that their ability to speak other languages, other known human languages, is because they were drunk. Now, I don't know if you've ever been so drunk that you can speak French. <laughs> Gibberish, maybe. French, Spanish, Russian, German, Greek, Hebrew, not so much. In fact, Peter, he spoke up in just a minute. He said, no, we're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. Like if it was 9 p.m., that might be an option. Like what an argument. Acts 2, 11 through 12. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And Peter, the one who had once denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. Peter, the one who spoke before he thought way too often. Peter is about to stand up with the Holy Spirit of God and speak with great boldness. And so I want you to see that this fire of God is resting upon the believers the Holy Spirit, a picture of God's leadership and his permanent presence in our life is resting on believers so that they will have strength and so that they will be his witnesses. And so with the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter stands up and delivers a message that's as good as any speech we've ever heard delivered. Think Abe Lincoln at the Gettysburg Address four score and seven years ago. Peter could speak at that level. Think JFK. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Think MLK. I have a dream. These iconic speeches of our day and our time and our country, they, they don't hold a candle to the speech that Peter gave to the people. Listen to this. Acts 2, 22 through 24. 
Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. So why are these Galileans able to speak this language? Why are the Galileans sharing? Why are the Galileans happening to, 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 to act like this in this moment in the festival of Pentecost? Peter says it's because of Jesus, the one that God proved he was his son because he performed miracles. It's because of Jesus. This man, the one that God accredited as his son, this man, verse 23, Acts 2, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. He says, you put him to death, nailed him to the cross, but you couldn't stop God's plan because God's plan went through and always will go through that cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So Peter's got a group of Jewish devoted people surrounding him. And what does he do with great boldness, the Holy Spirit of God working in him? He becomes a witness to God's unstoppable power. He delivers this speech and then he sums up his case. Acts 2 verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, I love that boldness, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So with the power of the Holy Spirit, what does Peter do? Peter points people to the cross. With the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter says, what's your response? Look to the cross. Because the one that you crucified, is both Lord and Messiah. He is the leader of our lives. He is Lord. He is over all and holds all together. He is Lord. And he is Messiah. He is Savior. And the people hear this and they, they see the message of the cross and they ask the question, what should we do? Acts 2, 40 through 41. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And Peter said, save yourself from this corrupt generation, knowing that they couldn't save themselves, but only Jesus could save. But their act of believing in Jesus, accepting this message that we'll see in just a moment, is how they would save themselves. If you're here today and you've never believed in Jesus for life, there's nothing you can do to save yourself. Besides believe God when he says, you're a sinner who needs a savior. And my son, Jesus, is both the Lord and the Messiah, the Savior of all who would believe in him. Save yourself from this corrupt generation, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. What a day. The day when God predicted his people would have power and be his witnesses. We get to see it recorded here in Scripture. 3,000 people were baptized that day. By the power of the Holy Spirit with the message of the cross, get this, the church was born. By the power of the Holy Spirit with the message of the cross, the church was born in Acts chapter 2. 
And as we see the church in Acts chapter 2, God rolling out his agenda, his strategy for changing the world, his strategy for building our lives as believers, his way of giving us family here on earth, not a family that we are born into, but a family that we're reborn into. Not a family that we have to be a part of, but, but a family we choose to be a part of. We see the church born in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. With the power of the Holy Spirit and the message of the cross and the commitment of the people. And as we think about that, that's as far as I want to go in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 in this moment. Because I want to make sure that we don't miss this. And you can fill in the first blank. The church is a God thing. From its inception, the church is a God thing. From its beginning, the church is a God thing. Empowered by the Spirit of God with the message of Christ, the church is a God thing. And I tell you that in no uncertain terms because I want you to know that still today, the church is a God thing. We see supernatural things happen in the book of Acts. And I want you to know that God still cuts through the curtain and works in miraculous ways among us. As we as believers see his spirit in our lives and we point people to the cross of Christ and we commit to the right things. This is still a supernatural gathering. In fact, if it wasn't a supernatural gathering, why would we be here? If it wasn't possible for God to invade, if it wasn't possible for us to learn and grow to be devoted by the power of his spirit at work in us, why would we be here? It is a supernatural gathering. That's why the Old Testament tells us that we should prepare ourselves for worship. We should enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise because we're not entering into a building of man. We're entering into the courts of God. The church is a God thing. And I remind you of that because when we know it's a God thing, we won't minimize it to a man thing. We won't make it about us. We won't make it about what we need or what we want. I want to be crystal clear. Parkway Church is not by us, through us, and for us. Parkway Church is by God, for God, and through the power of God working in each of our lives. It is a God thing, the church. When Parkway started in 1992, January 4th, it was a God thing. 27 adults and 12 kids came together and began a church in the mall of Victoria. They didn't have a building. They didn't even have a full-time pastor. You know what they had? They had the Spirit of God and the cross of Christ and the commitment of believers. It was a God thing. They also had Miss Eileen's chocolate chip cookies. Now, some would say those are God things too. When we started in Port Lavaca in Lone Tree, you know, we didn't mean to do that almost seven years ago. I stood on stage right here first Sunday of that year and said, we're going to be prayerful, watchful, and thankful from Colossians chapter 4. We're going to be prayerful, watchful, and thankful for the gospel for which we're in chains. 
And I dreamed and cast vision and thought, what would it look like for Parkway to multiply yourself around the area? I'd done the exact same thing for three years, and nothing happened. But on this day, we had people standing in line to say, here's how God could use us in these places. Why? Because the church is not a man thing. The church is a God thing. And when she is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, pointing people to the cross of Christ with the commitment of the believers, she is unstoppable because she's a God thing. Some of you right now may be freaking out a little bit because I've used the Holy Spirit, like those two words together a lot in this talk. I'm using talk like God still moves and works and has great power in our world. And you might wonder, Mike, have you gone off the theological deep end? Oh, friends, I'm not living in the theological deep end, and neither are you. See, there are different ways that the church engages with the Holy Spirit. And I always talk about this in our membership class. And if you're not a part of Parkway formally, or if you want to learn what your next step is, come have dinner with me the last Wednesday of this month, and we'll talk more about our doctrine and what we believe. But what I talk about in this gathering is that we believe the Holy Spirit has come into the world to do two things, to convict the world of their sin and to empower believers to live a godly life. And a part of that empowering believers to live a godly life is that the Spirit of God draws us together as a church and gives us gifts to use for the benefit not of ourselves, but for the benefit of the church. Why? Because the church is a God thing. Now, not every church engages with the Spirit of God like we engage with the Spirit of God. There are some churches that, that, that quite frankly, the Holy Spirit would have to make a calendar reservation to move in that church, if you know what I'm saying. Like, the Holy Spirit, hey, I'd like to move April 6, 2019 in your church. I'm sorry, we've already booked that. We've already programmed that Sunday. These churches talk a lot about the Father and the Son, but you never, ever hear talk of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And then you've got, on the other end of the spectrum, what I call Holy Spirit chaotic churches. Churches that talk about the Father and talk about the Spirit a lot, but they never talk about Jesus. I mean, why would you need to talk about Jesus if you've got the Father and the Spirit? Well, let's be crystal clear. We talk about Jesus because he is the Savior. We talk about Jesus because he is the one who promised the Spirit and delivers the guarantee, the Spirit of Christ in our life. But these churches, their Holy Spirit chaotic. So where does Parkway fall? When it comes to, are we making calendar reservations for the Holy Spirit to move? Or are we chaotic? Well, I move us past that midway point. And I declare that Parkway Church is is Holy Spirit dependent. Because we're not good enough and we're not smart enough. We're not creative enough to, to change a life. Only the Spirit of God can convict a man or a woman of their sin. Only the Spirit of God can empower you to live a godly life. Because the church is not a man thing. The church is a God thing. And Jesus himself said it when he and his followers were walking and doing life together. The question of who Jesus was came up. And and Peter, he answered it correctly. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And listen to what Jesus said to Peter. 
Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. See, God in Christ, from the very first time the church is ever mentioned, says the church is a God thing. It's not built on Peter the man. It's not built on a man. It's built on the faith of a man that says Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. It's not built on a person. It's built on a personal faith with Christ because the church is a God thing. And Jesus says to Peter, the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. Friends, in a day and age when it feels like the church is losing ground, in a day and age when it feels like our culture's changing, can I just remind you that this is Jesus' church. We are his bride, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us because the church is a God thing. Second, you can fill in this blank. Not only is the church a God thing, but the church is a good thing. In the day and age of Amazon, when everything can be delivered, in the day and age of pickup at Walmart, which might be the best invention ever, in the day and age where personal connection is changing, in a day and age where we can choose to find any religious teacher or leader we want to hear from via podcast or online streaming or Facebook videos, in a day and age where personal connection is changing, I want to remind you that because the church is a God thing, the church is also a good thing for you and for me. We draw together in his power and we go out in his power to be his witnesses. And that is a good thing. It is good to be devoted to one another. Those of you that are in a small group, you know that it's good to be devoted to one another. My small group walked through one of the hardest years of my life with me last year. It was a good thing. It's good to be devoted to learning and living out God's word. It's good to, to be devoted to trusting Jesus together and worshiping him. It's good to be devoted to prayer. The church is a good thing. Now you may see headlines that are concerning, justifiably so, concerning the condition of the church globally. But those headlines don't change this reality. The church, when she is devoted to the right things, the Holy Spirit of God empowering her, pointing people to the cross of Christ, committed to the right things. When the church is right, the church is a good thing that we all need. You say, Mike, how do I know if the church is right? Well, I want to encourage you to test every church, every sermon, every thought, every book that comes from a Christian leader. I want you to test every church, starting with this one. Is the leader, is the teacher, are the small groups teaching from the Bible or the opinion of man? The church is a God thing, so we teach God's word. I want you to test every church, every thought, every teacher. 
In fact, I want you to test everything before you trust anything. Because here's the sad thing, friends. While the church is a good thing, the church today, there are some that do things in the name of Jesus, but don't do it for the fame of Jesus. It's about their name instead of the fame of Jesus. You gotta test it. There are some churches, some teachers that say that they're doing things to the glory of God, but their teaching or their living doesn't glorify God. You must test before you trust. There are some preachers who preach, but they don't preach the word of God and salvation in Christ alone. You must test before you trust. And that starts right here with you and with me. Because if we can trust the word of God together and we can trust each other and be committed to the right things as the church of Jesus, the church will be a good thing for all of us. In Acts chapter 2, the church was formed and listen to how it was described. Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You know, the NIV translates that to fellowship. And, and I want to make sure that you know that they devoted themselves to the fellowship, which is a group of people. They didn't devote themselves to fried chicken and softball. That's fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, to a group of people, to prayer, to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and then to prayer. And what was the, what was the response to this type of gathering? Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Keep reading, Acts 2, 44 through 47. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, the church is a God thing and a good thing. So it's not something we do from time to time. The church, our relationship with Jesus, living in community, devoted to his word, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's that fellowship that you and I desire. That's that fellowship that you and I need, that camaraderie. They praised God and enjoyed the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Friends, what was the power at work in this church? What's the power at work in our church? It's the Holy Spirit of God enabling everyday Victorians, everyday crossroad residents, everyday people like you and me to know his power and to share his story of Jesus and committing to each other and watching him work. At Parkway Church, we are committed to building relationships that build disciples. That's what we see here in Acts chapter 2. There are relationships that people are connecting in and life change is happening. And we are 100% committed to building relationships that will build you and your friend that doesn't know Christ yet as a disciple. That will build you and your kids or your grandkids as a disciple. 
We are 100% committed to building relationships that build disciples. Like Netflix is committed to binge watchers, we're committed to building relationships that build disciples. Like Academy is committed to rednecks, we are committed to build relationships that build disciples. Oh, this one, this is the big one. Like Bucky's, it's committed to clean bathrooms. We are committed to building relationships that build disciples. And it's not about us, by us, or for us. It's by the Spirit of God at work in us. You know, we want to see people connect to God and to each other. What if the Holy Spirit of God spilled out and, and revival happened in our midst as I teach through the New Testament this year? You would know that that was only God. In fact, we are so desperate to see the Spirit of God move. We are so anticipating the Spirit of God to move that when it comes to connecting people to God and to each other, we've actually scheduled not one, but two old school revivals for next year. Now, we don't know if we're going to have a big tent. We don't know what it's going to look like. But here's what we know. We're going to worship. We're going to be challenged by the teaching of God's word. And we're going to pray. We're going to do a revival here, services here in Victoria and in Port Lavaca. Because we are committed to connecting people to God and to each other. And it only comes by the power of the Spirit of God at work in our church as we point people to the cross of Christ. We're committed, and can you imagine what it would look like if everybody in our church grew spiritually by living what they're learning? Like today, you live what you're learning. You, you find a group to be committed to. You live what you're learning. You know, life isn't about you. It's about the Spirit of God working in you. You've got power. You can be His witness. I mean, what if we all decided that we would live what we're learning from the Word of God? And not just what we learn from here, but what we learn in our daily reading. What we learn as we pursue God personally. Imagine how your relationships would change. Imagine how your habits would change if you simply said, I am going to live what I'm learning. Sometimes people are intimidated to open their Bible. And this is such a key thing for you to do. Open your Bible by yourself. It's such a key thing to do. But you don't want to read your Bible wrong. Let me tell you, the only way to read your Bible wrong is to not live what you're learning from the Spirit of God as you read and study your Bible. The only way to read it wrong is to not live what you're learning. Can you imagine what it would look like for us to live what we're learning? As a church, we're committed to build relationships and build disciples which means we serve others to share the love and message of Jesus. Can you imagine what it looks like if you and I, like the church in Acts, put everything on the table and said, God, all that we have, all that we are, we will serve you with it to share the love and message of Christ. You know, if the Spirit of God lives in you, and it, He does if you're a believer, you have got a gift You've got a, an enabling by the Spirit so that you can serve Him to build up the body of Christ. It's a God thing that He's given you. Can you imagine if all of us used our gift to its greatest ability? We developed it. We nurtured it. We cared for it. We used it. Can you imagine how we could revolutionize our communities? Because the Spirit of God is at work in us. 
And then lastly, as we look at building relationships that build disciples, it means that we worship Jesus through faithful living and generous giving. Can you, can, can you just, just imagine with me for a moment how workplaces would change in the crossroads if the Parkway Church family started living faithfully to Jesus everywhere and every time? I mean, there are thousands of people that call Parkway their church. I always love it when I run into somebody and they say, hey, um, how are you? And I say, I'm good. I'm Mike. And they say, um, are you new to town? I'm like, no, I've been here for a while. And how about you? Um, you connected anywhere? And they say, yeah, I go to Parkway. <laughs> Thinking you might have recognized me. But can you imagine if everybody that called this place home lived faithfully everywhere, every time? How could your schools change? How could the hospitals change? How could the world around us change? Because we are worshiping Jesus, not just with our lips, but with our lives. This generous living that we pour everything out for him because it's a God thing. And it's a good thing. Can you imagine? Friends, as we continue in this series, I hope to continue to inspire you to see that you need to be committed to a local church. Because it's the power of God at work in us together. You need us. And we need you. Because we're the family of God. Empowered by the Spirit of God. To point people to the Son of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open your word today. And God, I pray you help us all to... Take our next step. God, no matter what that next step is, Lord, would you give us the boldness and the courage to do it? Lord, I pray for the church that your Holy Spirit would be talking now and would encourage believers to lay their life down, to surrender themselves to the one Jesus who is Lord and Messiah. Believers in Jesus, Just take this moment. God is at work. Take this moment and say, Jesus, you are the leader of my life. I want to do things your way for your glory. I want to live faithfully to you. Everywhere, every time. As the church prays, if you're here today and you've never believed in Jesus for life, make today your day. You can do that as you pray. Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've messed up. But I also know that you love me. I accept your love and your grace and your forgiveness. I will live with you and I will live for you forever. In the name of Jesus, we pray.